I Wanna Jump Like Dee Dee, with me, Jar Sibold, is the music podcast that does music a bit differently. I'm talking to some incredible musicians, DJs and producers about how they use an experimental mindset to fuel their own creativity, pursue new challenges, overcome fears, bounce back from mistakes. So today we're all about that using that experimental mindset in the music business from an artist, educator, author, dad, public speaker and entrepreneur who really is, is the definition of, uh, of a multi-hyphen. Uh, he's played with, with Public Image, with Killing Joe, Ministry, Nine Inch Nails, and his current collective, Pigface. He's also the music business program coordinator at the, 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 the School of Music faculty at Millican University in Illinois, and has written books about the, basically the business of music, Tour Smart, Band Smart. He's also the founder of Invisible Records, which has released around, I'm going to say, about 350 records since it began. Um, so it's my great pleasure to welcome Martin Atkins onto the show. Thanks very much, Martin, for coming on. Thanks, Giles. Nice to be here. Brilliant. I'm, I'm just looking behind me, like not very entrepreneurial to not have, I don't see any of my books on the shelf behind <laughs> me. I'm an idiot. <laughs> All of, we're, going, we're, going to, we're going to talk about personal brand and you failed at the first hurdle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, I do. I, I hate that when I watch somebody on on a new show and they've got they turn. Well, I do have my pig face coffee right there, but and they, they turn their own book the other way around. <laughs> yeah. So, that, so, so, I mean, I mean, one one. Um, phrase that that has become sort of synonymous with you and what I what I really love about it is um is the phrase get the fuck out of bed right yeah to me you've always been very vocal about taking taking responsibility yourself um and what I what I love about that to me that that's that you're basically kind of making a brand out of that that phrase which I think is, is is amazing how's that how's that sort of gone down well, so, so um, I mean, it is a brand. It turned into a coffee brand, you know, which that, it's something that, and I'll, I'll tell you the story about it in a minute, but it's something that's really useful to me as I deal, you know, Millican University is in Decatur, Illinois, mm. which was home of Archer Daniels Midland, Caterpillar, these huge, you know, there's three places that employ everybody in the town. And so when I deal with the Economic Development Council down there, who mm. are, they're trying to find the next Archer Daniels Midland conglomerate. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, however, <clears throat> you know, you can find one of those or you can find a thousand people like me who turn a phrase, get the fuck out of bed, into a coffee that actually employs people in Guatemala and is the number two mm. seller for dark matter coffee. So, and, and so you show them the coffee and here's another brand of my coffee behind me. You show them the coffee and it's this great, like, look, these are words and these words sell more coffee, you know, mm. but, but I have to be honest. And as much as I'd like to say, yeah, entrepreneurial marketing, I, I started, I have four boys and I started, oh my God. 12, 12 years ago to get pretty tired of like, come on, it's nine o'clock, it's 10 o'clock, <laughs> it's 11 o'clock. You know, that's the last time I let you play Xbox till five, you know, around the clock, you know. So, so I think I read a book 
called The Last Lecture about mm. a guy who was dying of cancer who who created this his he was known for his lectures and he created this lecture that was then released as a book which was basically uh, a message to his children and so i think i mean i'm just piecing this back together but mm. i think <clears throat> i wanted to not be the cardboard cutout dad who would just be come on don't forget your cardigan. You know, I didn't want to be the asshole. So, so I came up with this big slide with, with the basically uh, keep calm, right? Yeah. Keep calm and carry on. And I've got, I have a coffee mug somewhere. And, um, and so uh, after I'd done a couple of lectures and I did one lecture for uh, Ruby programmers in Madison, Wisconsin, and they were in this huge theater and my slides were, I swear to God, 60 feet high. So the, <laughs> I've got this picture of this huge slide of like me, you know, <laughs> and, and I sat down with my boys and I said, listen, man, I mean, this isn't just me being that dad. <laughs> this is actually part of one of my keynote addresses that I get, you know, it was all just a bullshit smokescreen, really. But then, but and so then I tweet, I've been tweeting for 11 years, get the fuck out of bed, you know, just it started off as that. And then it was get the fuck out of bed, your career won't destroy itself. Your friendships won't destroy themselves with the bitterness of unfulfilled rubber <laughs> on the rocks of despair. And I just started, you know, and, um, and then strangely, and I think this works with with your with the general vibe. Although Dark Matter Coffee is here in Chicago, mm. and they have 110 employees now and seven or ten locations, um, it wasn't until I was at South by Southwest. I, I speak there, spoken there for the last I want to say 12, 13 years. Mm, mm. Uh, uh, when you go out of town, not that you can now, but when you go out of town. I feel myself kind of you magnetized to people from the same, oh, it's you, you know? And so it took going 1,500 miles away to hang out with the people from Dark Matter who are amazing mm. and say, hey, I've got this idea. And they're like, oh, okay, you know. And, um, and it became a coffee currently yeah. on its third iteration uh, with the bags and um, has, has been a really good, seller for them and, yeah. and a really a really interesting <clears throat> it's been really interesting for me because i've done a lot uh, yeah. as you said at the beginning but yeah, yeah. you know then people say to me oh you've got your own coffee i'm like oh fuck off you know my name's on a bag you know i've done an awful lot of much harder things in my life which you seem to be dismissing and now i've got my name on a bag of coffee suddenly it's like oh my goodness how does he That's do it kind of the holy grail yeah but but one of my one of my favorite south by southwest was the year after we launched the coffee i went down there with like a hundred bags of coffee and i also contacted a chicago uh company that makes uh gin called mm. leatherby's and they gave me like five, like what a stupid idea. They gave me five cases of these, you know, little hip bottles of gin. So I'd see somebody like Bob Boylan from NPR radio, uh, all songs considered, you know, and he knows me now, but back then it was like, Oh fuck, 
this guy's going to give me a demo or something. Yeah. And I'd be like, hey, bottle of gin, bag of coffee. And people were just like, oh, <laughs> you know. So, uh, so, so the path with the coffee has been, has been really interesting. For mm, sure. mm. You, you've been a, you know, you know, like I said, this, this kind of like sort of multi hyphen, you know, kind of career, you know, obviously sort of starting out in, in, in music and, you know, from just from, from my own sort of experience, you know, to go into the, 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 the sort of the multi hyphen thing where you're doing lots of different things, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not often easy or people, a lot of people don't find that easy and you need a kind of certain mindset for that. Well, I mean, I'm interested in like your, you know, going back in time, the sort of the formative influences that, you know, on you that, that, that helped kind of evolve this mindset. Well, okay. Well, you've got to say punk mm. uh, DIY. I mean, I was in a band with Johnny Rotten for five years. Yeah. I, you know, a, a, a really, uh, I mean, it's kind of lame for me to say at the height of the, but, but 79 to 85, I mm. missed the first, uh, the first pill album, but yeah. I'm on metal box. Yeah. So I was around for metal box, melody maker, front cover, John Peel, old gray whistle test. Paris Prontomps was my first ever gig yeah. uh, with them. American tour. Then I was fired. Then they hired me back. Then, Flowers of Romance, This Is What You Want, This Is What You Get, mm, Live in mm. Tokyo, the first 32-track digital live album. So that, of course, was an influence on me. My dad was used to play trombone and banjo and had his own band, mm. but he kind of gave that up, as his generation kind of did, I think, mm, to mm. work on the factory floor, go to night school, become a manager, work his way up. Ended mm. up being a general manager of Courtauld's Textiles in the in Durham in the right. north of England, yeah, in yeah. charge of three thousand people. So I think he gave up that what you call a frivolous pursuit mm. to support his family. And yeah, and he certainly he would talk to me about Dale Carnegie. Um, he developed games to play with his uh, with his managers, uh, and I, I guess I was on the floor while he was going, what decision would you make? And I guess mm. that um, <clears throat> he taught me to prepare for situations. So um, when I auditioned for a band, I think I was 11, mm. 12. And uh, he, he stopped by, they had two days of auditions and he stopped by the audition said, hey, look, my son is 12. I just wanted to check everything out. Um, <clears throat> And while he was checking everything out, he was kind of looking for the songs they had written down. And so he said, is there a bathroom here? So he went to the toilet, wrote down as many, so thank Christ for the bomb, Uriah Heap, uh, ground, you know, Groundhogs, uh, free, all right now. And, he, you know, and then, um, then after he came over in the bathroom, he scanned a few more songs, jumped in the car, wrote them down. And then we found all these albums. So I was the last audition on the Sunday, by yeah. which time I'd listened, mapped out all of these songs. And that's exactly what I did when I got an opportunity to, even after I played on the Metal Box, I, I then had to audition to join PIL. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. there's so many, so many drummers played on the Metal Box. So, um, so that's an influence on me. And then I've been doing these events where I, go back 40 years, the anniversary of being on the John Peel show, mm. the, the date by date 
first 1980 American tour of PIL. So we do the Boston edition, the New York edition. And as I've gone through these, um, these events, I've kind of relived that time period. And the I was fired from PIL three times and then I left. Mm. But the first time I was fired, um, I said on the radio in San Francisco, um, ask me why I have my own band, which is called Brian Brain, mm. while, while I'm in pill. And so the, the, the interviewer asked me on the air and I said, well, it's a good question, interesting question. Um, <laughs> I, w I want to be in, involved with something that isn't a mismanaged catastrophe. You know, because PIL, we just played to 10,000 people in Los Angeles at the mm. Olympic Auditorium, and we didn't have any T-shirts. Mm. And wow. to me, as a 20-year-old, uh, it's kind of stunning to, like, reread this stuff, like, oh, my goodness, that, that's the seeds of me now, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and Keith and John, uh, the guitarist, and, of course, Johnny Rotten, we're always banging on about like, you know, independence, this, and smash the system. It's like, yeah, but we could have sold a 1,000 shirts yeah. and had $15,000 off to the side to further smash the system more into more pieces. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's ridiculous. So, so I guess this was happening. I started my own label while I was still in Pill called Plaid Records, which mm. was very short-lived. Uh, uh, I sent all of the albums that we made <clears throat> to a distributor that went bankrupt three weeks later. So I was left owing all my investors money with mm. no, I mean, it's just a mess. Uh, when I joined Killing Joke, mm. and this is kind of, um, this is definitely a formative moment. Mm. <clears throat> we were at a club, and you've got to tell me if I'm just rambling. No, 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 no. We're, we're at a club in Houston. And for the artists amongst us, you know, I play drums and I really like having lots of drum monitors in terms of power. Mm. I, I needed it in PIL because Jar Wobble's bass was so low. So, yeah. You know, I just, right. But I like to sit behind my kit and, and I hit my bass drum. And it's like, oh, shit, boom, boom, you know. <laughs> and, and I want the sound system to be good so that, People at the back can't talk. They're just like, oh, fuck, oh. You know, they're being like <laughs> physically assaulted by my drums. Yeah, Because yeah. I'm a very physical player. Mm. So I sit behind the kit on stage in Houston at this Killing Joke show. I'm like, oh, oh, hey, uh, turn on the monitors. I can't, there's nothing going on. And uh, the guy says, uh, they're on. I'm like, oh, Christ. And so I immediately know um, I play so I can hear my drums. Yeah. So if, the, if I don't have any help from the monitors, I'm going to play much heavier and louder than usual. Mm. Uh, I could blow out a knee. Very, I have, my knees get screwy. And I'm like, mm. okay, this could, this could be catastrophic. This could be serious, yeah. yeah. And then, so then I say to the front of house mixing guy, uh, okay, because I'm like, let's turn on. Maybe I'll get the the effect of the main house system. Turn on the, turn on the house system. And it was just comical. It's on. <laughs> so see, normally you hit your bass drum and I'd be punched in the kidneys by the monitors. And then you hear this boom, boom coming off the back wall. So I immediately know my knees are going to be worse after the show. Oh my. People are going to be just talking amongst themselves. And <clears throat> 
And then come to find out that whereas normally at that time, I want to say 89, we would have played for like a 10, 12, maybe a $15 ticket. The promoter got greedy, was thinking 500 people. If I charge 25, that's this amount of money, mm-hmm. you know, from those 500 people. What, what happened was 350 people bought tickets instead of 500. So mm-hmm. then he has to look around to go, how can I save money? I know. I'll give Martin a little poxy little wedge monitor and we'll reduce the sound system mm. so we can get away with it. Mm. And so I started to see the role of attention to detail and basic business yeah. had on, on my experience as a spitting in the air, sweating, smashing my drums artist. And mm. so and I like to connect those dots because sometimes crazy artists like myself or, or, or just people who are immersed in their instruments don't like i don't want to hear about the business i don't want it to pollute mm. my vision well if you don't pay some attention to it it's going to prom- pollute your vision yeah. one way or another you can either deal with it creatively you know um or not so all of these things have have kind of gone into uh my experience and mm. i think uh saturday we're having a, a zoom event to celebrate the 30th anniversary of a, a ministry concert uh, that was recorded as in case you didn't feel like showing up. Mm. And so ministry was two drummers, myself and Bill Rieflin, who's no longer with us. Mm. Um, and just this crazy, crazy cohort of <laughs> crazy, crazy cohort of, of Max. Be qu- oh, he's not, he's not going to be quiet. It, get, oh, it gives right, it all Max. an extra dimension. It's all yeah. good. <laughs> That's a good boy, Max. What can you do? Um, <laughs> FedEx doing something. Um, so just this crazy uh, uh, conglomerate of all these different performers. Ogre from Skinny Puppy, Chris Conley from Feeny Tribe, Revolting mm. Cox. Mm. Um, uh, uh, KMFDM were opening, Paul Barker on bass, all, all these people. And so it, it was chaos. Mm. It was complete chaos. And um, even though we used electronics, the loops, you've got to tell me what, if it's too much detail. No. The, like, so, so some drummers might just like, here's this loop and you press start and, or you pre-record the backing to a song and you play along and there you go. Mm. But there was a jam band mentality to ministry where mm. somebody would re-trigger the loops every 16 bars just in case someone had been like, punched <laughs> right i mean there was like a, it wasn't in case the bass solo went on too long it was in case like there's physical mayhem and the singer couldn't get to the mic you know um and so so then i took all of that into my band pig face mm. so then so then and i'm still answering your first question about what the influence of all this <laughs> so then so so all of that um leads me to start this band pig face mm. which has a rotating lineup yeah so, yeah so i've been in pil which we never rehearsed i mean it was just a thing like mm. anything that normal bands would do we didn't didn't like, do what do you want to do with the lights all white no lights or all green you know like, and the lighting guy will be like uh, what are we doing nothing just turn them on and fuck off okay <laughs> all, right, all right then what do you want to do with security? No security. Who do you think we are? 
And like, so you'd have people just walking away with the sound system sometimes, you know? <laughs> and so, so having just dealt with that, one of the last pill shows I did, there was a police with riot police with German shepherds on stage. I mean, just you're in the middle of chaos. And the only oh, thing gosh. that will save you is just fronting it out and staring people down. You know, how dare oh. you? A thousand people. Yeah, it's Johnny yeah. Rotten. How dare you? How like, dare oh, you? Fuck. You know, but so Pigface became, after being in all these different bands, there'll be a revolving lineup, mm. which is cool. But then it's like, oh, version number three for tour number three, who's going to be in the band? Mm. How will the songs go? And I, I would just, I'd say, well, I don't know how the songs are going to go because we all haven't done that song. You can listen to three different versions, mm. you know, but I want you, whoever that person is, to bring yourself into this. So I guess my whole point being, I gained what I think is a very high tolerance for chaos mm. and un uncertainty. Yeah. And, and, and I'll, I'll I describe some of that, staying on the music uh, uh, tip, of, of like when when Peter Gabriel, I don't know, I don't know if he still performs anymore. Does he would turn his back to the audience, and and I mean he'd wait a minute so everybody knew he's he's falling backwards, you know. So there was absolutely no danger, right? Mm. And and <clears throat> and I'm sure there's a few crew members like Steve. Come on, he's doing his fucking, oh, you know. And uh, <laughs> but by doing that, by doing that you create the rush for support. You know, if you don't do it, or if you said beforehand, I'm thinking about doing this thing where I turn around, who will sign up on the support list? And people mm. are like, what the fuck? Mm. I'm not signing a form. How dare he? What's he, you know, plus you've ruined the surprise. You've ruined the moment yeah, by asking, yeah. but you know, so um, all of those things inform somewhat the things that i'm doing now i mean i guess that, that that it's an interesting one that you know that that kind of chaos you know the the, the or that 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 ability or high tolerance for chaos as, as you said i mean is is has really kind of set you up kind of perfectly for the for the kind of world that we live in now which which is very uncertain it's very volatile it's 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 hugely sort of complex as well and if you've got if you've kind of evolved with that kind of mindset that there's all this kind of chaos around and how to, and, and working out how things function, put things together. I mean, that's, that's, that's incredibly kind of powerful, isn't it? Well, what I said, um, we, with the students at Millican, we do a thing called the Midwest music expo, which was, you know, yeah. you put a couple of letters and an X in just to kind of echo the South by Southwest. Mm. And, um, so instead of going to a conference, we created one. And the first one we did in Decatur, Illinois, beautiful, it's a beautiful campus down there, was designed to magnetize people to the campus. And we had people come from Nashville, St. Louis, Chicago, whatever, 250 mile radius, mm. maybe 250, 300 people for our very first event with just a few weeks notice. And so as we come into the next, the next year, which is 2020, I don't know when everything started to happen. We were looking at doing the event in May, our mm. second conference. And as we're March, lockdown starts to happen. 
and I, I, I sat with the students. Mm. I'm like, we can't do this. The bigger the triumph we have, the worse it will be, mm. magnetizing all these people. Yeah. So I said, we just got to cancel. So we canceled. And then within a week, I'm like, ah, oh, this doesn't feel right. What's going on with this fucking Zoom thing? Yeah. And like, you know, part of me is just eye rolling, like, okay, there's another platform now. What's yeah, going on? Yeah, yeah. And so, so this is as early as March of 2020. Time is just whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start to put an online, we're doing this online thing. Isn't it crazy? So I call Lol Tolhurst from The Cure. Mm. Hey, Lol, would you be on this thing? And I, I've done events with him in the past. I really mm. like him. And he has a great book out about The Cure. And uh, he's like, yeah, sure, I'll give you an hour. Well, I'm like, huh, this mm. is not the end of the fucking world mm. because there was no way that Lol was going to get on a plane to Chicago from L.A., drive two hours to Decatur, stay the night because it will probably stay the night in Chicago, drive down, stay the night in Decatur, come back to Chicago, stay the night. But so it's four days of his time. Yeah. He travels with his wife. What, and what is it like eight grand on a deal to have him? He just said, yeah, I'll give you an hour. Yeah. And yeah. So, like that was awesome. Randy Bly, the singer from Lamb of God, who mm. he, he toured with my band pig face in, in 2019. Mm. He like he has a book out. He talked about sobriety. Galen Lee, who plays uh, uh, electric looped fiddle from from her motorized chair. She's brittle boned. She mm. did a thing about disability rights from her apartment in Minneapolis. Mm. I'm like, this is pretty fucking cool, this actually. Yeah. And we tripled registrations, and instead of being a 250-mile radius of Decatur, Illinois. We had people from 23 countries. Mm. So I saw, that was a blessing, really. I saw as early as May uh, uh, 2020 that this was not the end of the world. Yeah, and so yeah. so seeing that, <clears throat> um, I, I said to uh, my assistant, Molly, and whoever was around, I'm like, well, there goes my summer. They're like, what are you talking about? I said, well, I'm going to do an event every week. Yeah. And we we did eighty <laughs> events, wow. eighty events in twenty twenty, um, a, a total attendance of over seven and a half thousand. Mm-hmm. And then so then I started to do this, like all right, screen printing workshop. So I started, did a screen printing workshop. I did an online touring class because one of my books, which isn't on my, oh you can just see it there. That's the <laughs> part of the spine. Got, yeah. There you go. Come on. Come on, Mark. there we go. It's there. So one. <laughs> um, uh, so I did a 12-week a touring class mm. for free on a Monday night. Mm. And, and it would go for two and a half hours. But it started to be this community. Yeah. And, and then there's a kid from El Salvador, somebody from Spain, a guy in New Zealand. Mm. And so we start doing a recap Saturday mornings. And because... It was about the connection. I didn't want to just play the tape. Yeah. Right? So I have got no time. I'm doing events all over the place. I start to do PIL events, mm. killing joke events, this ministry event we're doing yeah. on Saturday. And starting to reach out to people and you start to see the power of all of this stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So and I kind of call that I would I call it incrementalism. Mm-hmm. Right. So so 
every time I do a PIL event, maybe there's 50 to 250 people involved. Well, those are all connections that at some point in the future might buy my PIL book or my killing job book or, yeah. or attend a class or, or help me out when I've got a flat tire in Denver or yeah. El Salvador or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it just seemed like, uh, I think one of the things I look at is not in this way though, return on investment. Mm. And so when we did a pig face show in 2016, anybody who bought tickets directly from me got two t-shirts, a laminated pass, uh, something else. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting looking at a box that's going from me to a person. So there is an opportunity. So yeah. they get a handwritten note <clears throat> and now it's personalized. So now I'm sitting uh, on the couch over here getting writer's cramp because mm -hmm. it's 400, right? And then, you know, Steve's letter has to be kept separate from Susan's letter because there's nothing worse yeah. than a misaddressed personalized note. Yeah. And then it's yeah. like, what if I put a handful of candy in with each? Yeah. You know, and because you have an opportunity to delight people, make them smile yeah. and, and, and make their day. And it's yeah. like, if you're ever in that position, how can you not do it over the yeah. sake of a, a handwritten note and a handful of candy? So um, we, are, we are still, I'm still in the experimental stage, I think, of all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, hand screened, signed and numbered art as part of album packages mm. uh, and, and this, you know, this whole pay what you want idea. Um, yeah. All of that stuff. You see, I, I mean, I think there's sort of a couple of things that sort of stand out to me. I mean, not, not necessarily about online, but about a kind of like a, a sort of thinking outside the box. I love that story of this, um, um, an Uber driver, um, sort of in, in California somewhere. And, uh, he knew that he was going to make more money from one of his side hustles. And his side hustles was basically kind of making and selling jewelry. Huh. So he knew that he would have in his cab customers undivided attention for kind of 15 minutes. Yeah. What do you do? Brilliant. I mean, it's, it, it, when you hear it, it's so simple, but you need to kind of think that way. The other thing, you know, about the online stuff that you're talking about, I, I completely agree. I think, it's, I think it's really kind of untapped. You know, I, th I think I think you yeah scratching the surface of this, and it, and it, but it, the the community that it can build, yeah. the connection the, and show that kind of power, and like you say, it's not always about you know kind of like immediate money. It could be just sort of something in return here and there. Incredible. That, that that's the other thing that I talk about a lot now. I think one of the things that an attitude from my dad, an attitude from just that whole generation, if not mm. everyone, was like, you know, enjoy your 15 minutes with pill. You've got to, like, it's like worse than a premiership footballer. You know, you've got enjoy this f literal 15 minutes. Yeah. And, and so uh, it took a while for me to understand, hold on a minute. When we went out with Pigface in 2019, this couple comes up to me um, that's like uh, – this, this girl, and I thought, oh, she's with her parents. And uh, uh, they're like, they show me this photograph. And uh, 
she's 20 today. You're playing in Baltimore. And like, I think she was like conceived after a big face show, you know, and then, and then there's a, they show me this other picture and I'd screen printed a baby onesie and that, which came with a hat with the pig face logo. And here she is standing in front of me. And there's so many reminders of, you know, this is not a smash and grab two year thing. If mm. you want to build something as I'm celebrating the 40th anniversary of this and the 30th anniversary mm. of the Killing Joke Extremities album and whatever, um, uh, you can have a long career doing this stuff. But my career has been like this. Yeah. You know, I teach, I write books. I was a, almost a professional keynote speaker for a couple of years. Mm. You know, and now I'm, the thing that I like now is I'm doing all of those things. Yeah. I love playing my drums once in a while. We do a couple of pig face shows here and there. I, I'm working on some more books. I'm screen printing and doing art. I, yeah. I'm teaching. I'm running my label, reissuing stuff on vinyl. Just, mm. I'm doing all of these things. Well, the, the, I mean, the, you, you mentioned uh, a minute ago, just about, you know, about a, you know, kind of premiership football player. You know, any, you know, sort of high-performing sports players, for example, you know, they've got, they've got a, in that, in that industry, they've got a shelf life of what, 13 years, 12, 13, something like that. You maybe, know? maybe at the outside. Yeah. I, I, yeah. 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 And, and, and they, they, if, if, they, if that, that, by you know kind of 32 33 it's like you know you you're pretty much done you've then got given that we're living longer you've then got another sort of 60 years what are you going to do right and there was an example and, and, it, and it struck me that you know sort of similar to to what you've done so louis sahar um from man united you know basically sort of set up his own marketing company but for sports players ha huh. So he's kind of using what, his knowledge of the industry, but applying it in a different in a different way, right? You know, which is, you know, it's it's a skill that he's that he's you know that he knows the industry, but he's just applying the using his skills and and learning as he as he goes along, right? So I, I think exactly what I'm doing now is so in, so uh, I guess up until maybe eight years ago, maybe ten years ago. I was a drummer for quite a while, mm. pretty successful, you know, mm. and um, and then well, at the same time started a label because I had the label. It was just common sense to have a studio because all yeah. my money was going for other people's studios to do kind of half-assed jobs that I would knew I would have done differently. So I mm. taught myself to engineer because mm. I lived in studios anyway. Yeah. I taught myself to engineer. Steve Albini sold me his tape machines and help me wire up my own studio mm -hmm. I stumbled and bumbled through that but that then that financial decision was actually huge for my label because all of the releases on my label had more time in the studio spent on them than really they should have right so everything was elevated yeah. not in terms of quality but in certainly in terms of focus and yeah. quality as well so the, my label developed a, a a more interesting voice, I think. The studio became an asset to acquire other artists to sign to my label. Yeah. That, that if I was just competing with money, I would have lost to mm. any other label. And um, and so, uh, and then I did that. And there was a period where I was in my studio 16 hours a day. 
that's what I was doing. And the label did its thing. And I, I fed the label stuff to release. And then, um, then I started teaching kind of accidentally. Mm. Which I, I, do you, I, can I tell you that little? Yeah, of course. Little, yeah. Because, because, because we, we don't decide. <clears throat> I don't think we decide these paths. We're either open to them or we're not. Mm. So I went to Columbia College, Chicago, which is a hugely esteemed place just up the street mm. uh, here in Chicago, because we were putting together these big package tours. We were sending out uh, uh, eight different postcards in bundles to tattoo parlors, clothing stores, record stores, and some to the venues as well. It mm. was this cr ridiculous intensive operation. And I heard about the idea of interns. I'm like, oh, fuck, this is perfect. It's an open plan office. They can hear all the shit that's going on yeah. while they're putting labels on postcards and doing yeah. some Monday tests. So I went to Columbia College, Chicago. They asked me to come and present on what I was doing um, to, to get some interns. So I mm. had all these slides. We're, we're doing these tours. We had 20,000 promotional CDs, two buses, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, fantastic. When can you start? And I said to them, I, well, I can I can put three interns in my car now. And how do you want to do this? And they're like, no, where could you start teaching? And I said, teaching what? Like, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> I left school when I was 16, you know, mm. five O levels. And, um, and they said, well, you should teach the business of touring. And, and I was just, I mean, I didn't say, you know, get what the fuck. But, <laughs> but I, honestly, I think we, I, we had two kids at the time. Mm. And I thought the craziest thing I could possibly do now is say yes. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. And so, um, so I asked a couple of questions like, well, how, how long is this class? Yeah, was it like yeah. an hour? Like it's six hours on a Saturday. I'm like, oh, fuck six hours uh all right i'm like well how long do i have to uh prepare well the, the first class is this uh uh this saturday i'm like what, what are you um so and then once again i just thought the craziest thing i can do here is do this yeah i yeah. think this is good for me as a dad you yeah. know shut up, I'm a teacher, you know? Um, uh, and, and I thought, I thought that that was the opportunity mm. to teach. And that mm. would be kind of interesting. And, and, but also there's a couple of things that we talked about coming into play, the lack of rehearsal, right? The, the, the ability to improvise class Saturday, six hours. Yeah. Right. But, I walked into that first class and I'm like, is there a, is there a textbook? You know, and the student like holds up this little textbook and I open it. I'm going, oh, I better, I better, you know, what, what are they saying? You know? And um, I open it up and it was like the logistics of theatrical touring, blah, 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 blah. Hope with Smith and blah, 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 1963. And I'm like, okay. And I close right. the book. <laughs> I say class. Can anybody tell me when this, you're paying a lot for this class. It's an expensive school. You're, you probably paid a hundred dollars for this book. 
Can anybody tell me when it was written? No, sir. And in my head, I don't, I don't think I did this. I hit a student <laughs> upside the head with the book. I'm like, it's written in 1963. How, how, what are you doing? Where do you hope to go if you just come into this class? I could tell you anything now. What are you going to nod your head and do the assignment? <laughs> this book was written in 1963. So I started to uh, think about touring Mm-hmm. And then talk to like a compilation album, talk to other experts in the field. I think there's a hundred people in Tour Smart. Mm-hmm. And then because I'm ADD, I, I cost a bloody fortune for the layout, but mm-hmm. I had like illustrations everywhere because mm-hmm. I can't stand those books that are just print, they're intimidating. Yeah, and I wanted yeah. an ADD person like myself who was failed by traditional school mm-hmm. uh, to, to have a foothold through. Got you. Um, and so somebody called me up and said, "Oh, that the chapter about hitting your grandmother in the face with a brick." I'm like, "What are you? What are you talking about?" <laughs> and uh, apparently, in the accounting section, th- there was a story which got that student to the next page. You know, wow. and then uh, all through accounting, I had this rubber stamp. I, I didn't stamp the books; it was in the artwork. Yeah. Boring, 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 boring. You know, so. <laughs> So, um, uh, and then <clears throat> more of that, like uh, uh, throwing caution to the wind performance art aspect. Mm. I told the people at Columbia, I can, I can do these classes during rehearsals that I need three weeks off because I'm going on tour. Mm. And is it okay with you if we condense the last two Saturday classes into an experience at the Cabaret Metro, this venue that's been going since 1980, uh, mm. by Wrigley Field where the Cubs play in Chicago. Mm. And we'll do like a double thing. I put all the students on the guest list and it will be this experience. And they're like, oh yeah, okay, a practicum. And I put them all on the guest list. They met us at load in at noon. I had them smell the road crew. I'm like, here, go on, fuck, you know. And, and then because I, because, because I didn't know what to do with them while I was on stage, I, I reserved two tables upstairs in the balcony I gave them their own bar tab. And it's like, you know, and that started to, that connection to reality started to um, inform my classes Mm. to the point where when I was department chair at a school here in Chicago called SAE, uh, and they're they're all over the world, um, for the final project with the students, I'd say, okay, we know, what do you want to do? The, the first couple of projects, I had students put 22 artists, slightly less or slightly more, on the same bill mm. at a rock club called Reggie's, a really well-established rock club, um, <clears throat> 450 capacity. And they put on their own show. And I'm like, there are no grades in this class. Fuck mm. grades. And they're like, yeah, fuck grades. But I said, but you'll pass or fail. You'll either sell the venue out or you won't. Yeah. Like, oh shit! So the, the, wow. it's acceptable for students to be worried about attendance at a concert, mm. but also fuck grades. But that was the grade. It is a grade. It is so, a grade. You know. So so then you start to get into this performance art, punk rock, DIY classes. You mm. know. So we did that a couple of times, and it was really good. Parents started coming to the event, and we had in the meeting for another project, I said, okay, you've seen what we've done in the past. They read student comments, what I, what I wish I'd done, 
how we mm. could have done this better, our advice to you. And uh, this one student said, well, <clears throat> we could put DJs on the train. You know, the elevated train in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's in the, the French Connection. I'm like, and then the student immediately said, no, oh, oh, that's crazy. I'm like, not only is that not crazy, if we don't do it, I'm going to quit, you know? And and uh, so then... Wow. <laughs> so we end up dealing with the city of Chicago, which I, like an idiot, I'm thinking... How difficult could this be? It's the city. It's not like dealing with some lunatic in a rock band. <laughs> well, we spent 10 weeks dealing with the city, this guy, Bill, and he's like, I'm on a train with Jake Gyllenhaal. On the, like, he was like the ambassador of the train <laughs> situation. And um, I was at South by Southwest. I had a two-hour phone call with the guy. We were getting along great, but there's no paperwork. You know, it's $2,000 to rent two train cars for an hour. Um, but but the students, we all learned so much. We got DJs who should have been paid one to $2,000 for a set. Mm. They were just like, nobody even mentioned getting paid. They just mm. wanted to DJ just on a moving train, you know. Yeah. The fucking film footage was amazing. We got like a million hits on YouTube. And it was, it's like, I wanted to show the students you can fucking do anything. You can do it, yeah. You know, and then we get a phone call like two months later. Uniglo Clothing, which sponsors all the big tennis players. Yeah. It's somebody, it's it's Susan from Uniglo Clothing. I'm like, yeah, what's, what's going on? What have I done? You know, and they're like, well, we're launching a new store in Chicago. I'm like, oh, great. And we want, we've got this idea to do a moving thing on a train. I'm like, oh, good idea. We just did that. She's like, well, we know you did. Um, how did you do it? Because we can't, we're dealing with the city. We I'm like, oh, are you talking to Bill? Like, Who's Bill? We're talking to <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, so, so, so I, I just said, listen, this is kind of a consult, really. And she's like, yes. And I'm like, and, and that's fine. I'll, just, I'll consult with you but you've got to give two of my students an opportunity to, to work on this. Mm. And because truth be told, they made it happen. Mm. And so, so by just being crazy, yeah, you know, and I turned mm. that into another tweet. Great things happen when you do stuff. Yeah. Nothing happens when you don't. When you so don't. If, if your goal is, how can I get an internship with, it was called Invisible North Marketing in New York City, who worked with Uniglo. How can I get an internship I don't know. Like you send them your resume. What a mm. waste of time. But you put DJs on a train in Chicago and, yeah. you know. I mean, that's a, that, that, that's a, that's a fantastic story and, a, and kind of like an example that, that, you know, the kid who sort of suggested it, you know, like his immediate reaction was, nah, I can't do that. That's crazy. So it's like, like sort of self-belief is like, nah, I can't do that. Yeah. I don't know. And, and people, I think, you know, sort of don't do things because either they don't believe in themselves or they, they fear the rejection. Right. It's like, you know, uh, I'm going to get rejected. You you then said, no, nah, let's do this. Right. Just that support, you know, is, is critical. Well, and so, so a couple of things come into play, you know. So when, when my students put on a show at Reggie's Rock Club or – 
my Millican students put on MMX. Mm. You know, Wendy Day, who did the biggest hip hop deal in the Cash Money deal, she mm. spoke. You know, um, I'm also fortunate. Like I look at what my assets, what I have to play with, mm. and I'm not in a position where if an MMX goes badly or a Reggie's Rock Club event is a catastrophe. It's like, all right, I was, in, I'm on metal box and I was in a band with Johnny Rotten and nine mm. inch nails, right? So it's not the end of my career, mm. you know? So, you know, uh, so it's easier for me, the consequences. Agreed. Yeah. Although, I, although when I see the consequences to the students, the, uh, we did it, mm. hey, we can do anything, you know? So, you know, I don't know what's more important, a bunch of students thinking they can do it or, or my reputation. I don't care, really, mm -hmm. you know. And so that's an important part of, of all of that. And then yeah. once you do that a couple of times, I, I also, I've got a, there's a, there's a school, I think they're in Denmark. I had a layover in Amsterdam or something. I was, I was speaking in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. And um, I see these signs everywhere. Chaos Pilot. I'm like, oh, what, what a stupid band name. Well, it's the name of a school. It's the name of a school. And I called them up. I, call, I called them up. I'm like, oh, they were in Amsterdam. I'm like, I'm in Amsterdam. I'll come and speak. What are you doing? They're like, we're, we're not in session this week. Um, call me next week or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I called this guy a week or two later. And I mean, the, 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 the poster for the school was basically, it's fucking crazy. You know, we'll teach you to surf on chaos. Fuck chaos, right? You, you know, and, uh, and so I called this guy and he's like, hello, we have just landed in Vietnam. I'm like, oh, so I'm like, I didn't mean to call you on your vacation. Give me a call when you're back. He's like, no. And I can hear this like, I'm here with students on a trip. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what? What are you? What are you doing? What's the? What, what's happening? And he said to me, I don't know, something. And I was just like, holy shit! The the idea that he was so comfortable. Like, I know a lot of people would be like, well, eight a.m. tomorrow, we've got the cheese <laughs> yes. reception with the board of trades and commerce. <laughs> and then we go, we've got a presentation, uh, uh, Vietnam entrepreneurship then and now, like, you know, but it's just like, what, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, so, um, so all of these, all of these little bits kind of fuel me yeah. to, 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 to take risks. I, I don't Well, and then that's another one of my little sayings the, the, the greatest risk is, is not taking a risk. And there's absolutely no such thing as safety. There just mm. isn't. How do, how, I mean, that's an interesting one. Like, gen, generally, I, I feel like amongst a large part of the population, as they get older, their risk taking, their, their appetite for risk kind of decreases. You know, it's like, I, I don't know about that. It's a little bit too risky. You... I'm guessing don't have that. Well, uh, or do, or do you, do you, do you 
judge things in a different way? I, I don't know. I mean, um, I've got four kids, mm. you know, um, so I'm not some kind of lunatic, mm -hmm. you know. I, I mean, so my example before was like hand signing notes and putting candy, you know, and my wife is there. My wife is at the top of the stairs. I'm like, shit, I've got to go and buy more cheap bulk candy, candy yeah. to, for people to have this, you know. <laughs> and, and she just said, she said to me, you do this to yourself, yeah. which caused me to be like, you know, should I, sh should I, um, I do, you know, should I not do this? I could do this way more efficiently. My hands are getting, which led to my master's degree thesis, which is the myth of efficiency in creative media, which I did a talk for Google, you know? So it's just like, so, I mean, honestly, some of my tweets feel like they're empowering tweets. Mm. A bunch of them, are me, mm. you know, just from, I type it out and put it, and then it bounces back to me, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the risk, I, I mean, honestly, the riskiest thing you could do is, is not to take a risk. Not to take how a do risk, you, yeah. how, how do you distinguish yourself? How do you differentiate yourself? And I, 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 I guess with, 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 with that as well, you know, what you're doing, you know, when you're, when you're tweeting, you're also kind of like empowering yourself as well. I mean, you know, with collaborations, and I know you've, you've used a lot of, you've done a lot of collaborations over the years. And, yeah. um, you know, having other people around to support you, you know, where you're in that kind of thing, okay, we're going to do this, you know, again, is, is kind of, is empowering. It helps you to support, kind of like a support mechanism. Well, uh, yeah, but when I'm being, you know, um, one of the coolest things about Pigfoot, it's, I'm I'm pretty shy, so one of the one of the things my mechanism for meeting people it, it can be on stage. Come and join mm. us on stage, you know, the, mm. that leads to some camaraderie, or whatever. Um, but I think that's most fruitful for me when I'm working with people and I don't know what they're going to do. Mm. So. Genesis P. Orridge, which he's kind of a, you know, controversial figure from Psyche mm. TV, who's sadly uh, no longer with us. Mm. The first show he did with us. So, so these are all the, we're, we're, we're getting to all these little bits that are like, right, make me who I am. Yeah. He came on stage in San Francisco with six cassette tape machines. And I'm like, what you going to do with that? Which, which song, you know, what song is that for? And he's just like, well, I don't know, because he hadn't listened to any of the songs anyway. But he was, he was, he was absolutely going to experience with every fiber of his being, including his ears, the songs as he worked within them. Yeah, you know? yeah. And those songs just changed, you know, which is, that's, uh, so, um, uh, in those kind of risky moments mm -hmm. th there is um everything is alive you know yeah. I, and i describe at the worst end of boredom on stage like if i'm if i'm playing drums on my own i'll start i'll just i'll drop my sticks like oh shit i dropped my sticks yeah, yeah. if there's five people in the room you could smash my knuckles with a hammer, set with a lighter under. I, there's no way I drop sticks in front of five people because of that that energy. 
yeah. And and we we started to experiment with this with pig face, um, and I I can't believe we've never done this until 2019. We had a VIP package and it's mm. like you, know, you get the vinyl album and the shirts and the pass mm. and the you know, and you get to come on stage with us and bang a drum. What the, grab some sticks. We made the mistake of sending out the sticks with the by which by the time the show came out, everybody lost their sticks. Lost so we had to give them yeah. more sticks. We should have had like there'll be sticks in a bucket, you know, come you know. But I'm like, what can we do? What how can we differentiate this? And you know, this band would do this and VIP signing session, which is like, yeah. So we said, Well, uh, you get to come to rehearsal. People are like, what the fuck? You know, it's kind of like, ooh, ooh, it's a little bit weird because the audience doesn't know what to do at rehearsal, mm-hmm. you know? And so then we're like, okay, yeah. um, we've been, this is, instead of thinking, lucky bastard, because I didn't know that they were, I don't know that's a lucky thing, lucky bastards to come to rehearsal. I called up my friends at Pie Eyed Pizza here in Chicago. I'm like, could you, can we get like, six or eight pizzas and they kind of gave us a deal and they they cut their pizzas with a pentagram it's it's really good pizza and then i'm like well what 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 if we bought like six cases of pbr paps blue ribbon it's like i don't know a dollar a can maybe and so and it's a really nice rehearsal place it's a really big room and we put up all the backdrops so we felt pretty good and then, and then there's a separate room with a grand piano and this full catering size kitchen to feed band and crew with huge refrigerators. And we laid out all this food. And it, it, so that seems like we switched it. So we're welcoming them. Mm. We didn't have to do unnecessary yeah. is one of my new words. If you can be unnecessary, be unnecessary. There's no need for me to call the pizza place or to yeah. and then buy beer, you know, and I think we said in our invite, you know, there'll be some refreshments, bring some beer if you want. And a few people did. Somebody brought this ridiculously old, expensive scotch, you know, a toast. Okay. <laughs> but So it seems like that's the story, right? We flipped it and everybody was happy. But I'm playing my drums. I'm looking around. Charles Levi, one of our bass players, normally I've seen him fall asleep at rehearsals. And I've also seen him with like, a couple of plates of Chinese food on the base, halfway paying attention. You know, he's fucking on it. Like he's on it because there's 50 people, you yeah. know? And, um, uh, and then Randy Blythe from Lamb of God, I never met him before. Uh, Greta, one of our other bass players, play with Moby and, and uh. Uh, um, she, she knows him from Richmond, Virginia. She invited him to come out. He comes in. I'm like, hey, how you doing? It's like, yeah, there's three songs. And we're just sitting there as he fucking nails that song, a song called Tapeworm. And I'm like, holy F. And so anybody who's at rehearsals is watching us gobsmacked. And wow. we're watching them. And so uh, uh, people just don't forget this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So once, once you get into this mindset of, of doing things differently, you can be surprised and amazed by the results yeah, in the yeah. same way that you try and surprise and amaze your audience. Yeah. Yeah. 
So can, can I tell you another story? In of course. That yeah, same yeah. yeah. So we hadn't done a show for a decade with Pigface because I got, I started teaching. I, wrote, mm. I, I just went all over the world speaking Norway five times, Melbourne music week, uh, 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 Medellin, Colombia, Brasilia. That's what I was doing. Mm. And so mm. after a while, I'm like, it's been fucking 10 years. I like, should we do it? And I, and I thought I took a page out of the Rolling Stones playbook. And I said, the last Pigface show. We're going to do one show in Chicago. It's going to be the last show. We're not going to do this again because I'm I'm teaching, you know. Mm. And um, so that was where I started to send out these packages with the notes mm. and the candy, mm. and um, and we had so, like Leslie uh, Rankin, who sings with a band called Ruby and Silverfish. Mm. Yeah. Okay, she sang a song that she'd sung with us in '92 uh, called Chickasaw. And she'd never sung it with us live. She mm. sang it once in the studio. And then, you know, we all went our separate ways. And she came, she got a plane from Scotland. She walked into the rehearsals, same as Randy did. And she sang that song and we all just cried. She said, I've waited mm. over 20 years to sing that wow. song. Wow. And so, like, immediately, before we even do the show, people are like, is this really, really the last show? And then Mary Biker from Gay Bikers, he's mm. saying, because uh, I've got a two-year visa. They gave us a two-year work permit. Mm. So we could, you know, trying to, you know, there's the emotional angle. People are like, yeah, we got the work permits, you know. And yeah. I'm like, we can't, we can't. So we did. We had a rehearsal at, at a small club and then did a big show at the House of Blues. And all the fucking time, people are just like, we, we can't stop doing this. Yeah, you know, yeah. Galen Lee came out on stage with us and um, made everybody cry, mm. playing her fiddle. Just her voice just kind of psh, reaches inside you. And it's mm. like, how could we not do this? And But then I'm like, hold on a minute. We can't do it. This was the last show. People bought tickets to the last show. last show. This is kind of false advertising, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And as much as it's like, you know, as much as you know, it's rock and roll, it's theater, I've hurt my arm, suddenly I'm better and I'm playing lead guitar. It's all theater. There's right and wrong. Mm. So I wrote because we sold the tickets direct and needed everybody's information for the mm. signed notes and their handfuls of candy, I could reach out to everybody. Yeah, yeah. And I sent them all an email, I said, I said, oh, something's happened. And this will not be discussed any further unless I have your permission to do so or not. Uh, from the outset, mm. on stage, and, and this last day, everybody's come to me and said, we want to do this again. This was so powerful. And I said, all I can do is say to you, our audience and our fans, what do you think? And if you say, how dare you? I want my money back, you motherfuckers. We flew from San Antonio, Texas, and blah, 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 with the hotel and the taxi fare. You know, mm. it's up to you, you know? And I mean, honestly, there's so many of these surprises still, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I sat there and I thought, okay, it's in their hands now. Yeah. Not, Honestly, not knowing the answer because mm. 
I've, I've got into it. I, I can get like a two month long email thread because we forgot to put a free button in with somebody's free t-shirt. And you want to say like, dude, you know, like, you Thumbs know, up, you know, yeah. I'm sorry you didn't get a free capitalized button with your free shirt, you know, uh, but we're busy. It's like, it's a, you know, so I didn't know what I was going to get back. Yeah. I got back 50, 50 plus responses. One was seven pages long. Uh, my first pig face concert in 1991, blah, blah, blah. I met my wife, blah, blah, blah. I spoke to you outside the concert, didn't have any money. You took me in the venue, took me in the dressing room, gave me some beers and a shirt. I'll never forget that. And everybody was like, one guy was like, I knew this. We knew this was never going to be the only show anyway, which <laughs> I didn't I didn't know that. And everybody was just like, with our blessings, fucking go for it. Go for so, it. So that's that, that's that same, I think that comes from Radiohead. Mm. Uh, the, the pay what you want, pay what you feel. Mm, mm. Because when they announced that, I thought, you stupid idiots, mm. you know? Because uh, if you give away French fries in England, yeah. you know, there'll be a, st- you know, people, they've got to get the police to bat people away with riot <laughs> exactly. sticks yeah. for the free French fries. And on a free buffet, it's like, you know, even my mom on a free buffet, I've got a bacon sandwich in one pocket. I've got two boxes <laughs> of cereal in my handbag, you know? And, uh, but so you, but in that in that uh, context, to let people just take your music, mm. seemed crazy. Yeah, they made more money, and mm-hmm. we just we just so now we start to practice that. Uh, we just did an event, pay what you want. Yeah, uh, and, and it includes free. So you've got people. Anytime you do anything for a period of time, you've got people who didn't have any money when they saw you in '91. Mm-hmm. and have got bags of money now or were doing well back then and medical situations, whatever, they're in a bad situation now. So yeah. by, by doing that, you've got a bunch of people coming for free and other people like, here's $100, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. that you're doing this. Yeah. So that, that's, that's, that's more of the, the more you do that, the more you're easy with that. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? You know, you know about you know, kind of like how deep your relationship is with your, you know, with your with your fans, you know, with your with your audience, and the you know the respect that you got, the fact that the, you know, they're not if if more often than not people would generally if they can't pay, fair fair enough, but if they can, they'll give they'll give something, you know, and that's that's where you kind of like you want that level of depth of relationship with your with your fans. Right. Uh, we did a, um, we did a, um, I think it was the 2016 show. We created a pay it forward ticket mm. because we got emails from people like, I've always, I can't, it was a $50 ticket, I think, at the House of Blues. And because um, it was a very expensive show to put on. Mm. And, um, and so instead of just holding up our hands when people said they couldn't pay, we created this pay it forward ticket mm. so people could buy an extra ticket that we could give to somebody, yeah. you know, and we just said, just trust us. We're not going to like, ha, ha. you know, we're actually going to give tickets to people. And, um, uh, I, I, sometimes I hear people in the business like, Oh, fucking fans, mm. you know, Oh, I've got to sign this stuff. I'm like, 
just be thankful that somebody yeah. wants you to find anything. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like how yeah. dare you really, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you on, yeah. Listen, I think we've I wish we could talk longer. It's been absolutely fascinating. I, I really, really enjoyed it and thanks so much for your time. It's been been really amazing. And uh Congratulations on everything that you're doing. I think it's uh, I think it's truly fantastic. Thank you. It's nice to talk to you, Giles. If if I can, yes. If any if anybody wants a copy of Band Smart, mm. which is the it's the book after Tour Smart, but it's kind of a prequel. It's everything you need to do as a band, from legal to names to distribution to studios and all kinds of stuff. Um, that 600 pages of that. That's that's free at martinatkins.com. I yeah. think there's also uh, I have another little book called Welcome to the Music Business. You're fucked, which is the the best T-shirt ever. Uh, <laughs> I, I think there's a there's a free download of that book as well. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Martin M A R T E E E E N four E's, just like the old days. Boom boom. Um, and I'm on I'm on uh, I'm on Instagram as flowers fight for sunshine brilliant brilliant that's perfect and the and the message to take home is get the fuck out of bed as well get the fuck out of bed great things happen when you do stuff when you do stuff nothing happens when you don't perfect thanks giles martin thanks very much take care see ya thanks for listening to the show and i really hope that you enjoyed it and that you'll tune in for the next episode In the meantime, it would be really awesome if you could rate and review the show and also share it with any friends who you think might enjoy it. 